So welcome to the Gratitude for Time podcast. So our guest today is a World Series champion and current Oakland Athletics second baseman, Tony Kemp. Thank you for your time, Tony. Before we get into it, I just kind of want to highlight some of his accomplishments um, on and off the field. Um, so there's a lot, so just bear with me. Um, so in 2011, Tony was the SEC Freshman of the Year. Um, he's part of the first Vanderbilt baseball team to make the College World Series in 2011. Uh, in 2013, he was the SEC Player of the Year. Um, they had a 26-3 and SEC record, which is the best ever. Um, in 2017, he then goes on and as a World Series champion with the Houston Astros. Um, and then with the Oakland A's, he was, um, they won the AL West Division um, in 2017, 2018, 2019, and 2020. Um, just a lot of just a lot of greatness throughout your career so far. Then <laughs> um, off the field, uh, he's a two-time Roberto Clemente uh, nominee, um, which is like an award for really bringing a lot of value to the community and helping others. Um, so there's, that's a really like, great reputational award to win or to be least nominated for. Um, and then you started the plus one effect, uh, which is, I'll let you talk about it a little bit. Um, and then you're also part of the Players of the Planet Reforestation Project. Um, and that just addresses a big issue with climate change and all that. Um, but if you kind of want to just start off by talking about the, the plus one effect a little bit, and then we can kind of go into your life story here. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the introduction. That was, uh, <laughs> that was nice, man. Um, yeah. yeah, the plus one effect, um, started right around the George Floyd murder. And, um, you know, obviously the baseball season had been postponed up until that point. So, we all had to fly back from Arizona and, you know, got here and obviously the, the murder unfortunately happened and, you know, people were very confused, especially me. And, you know, that's when I kind of sent out a, uh, kind of sent out like, Hey, if anybody wants to talk about it, like on Instagram or on Twitter, like, Hey, let's talk about it. And yeah, I kind of just formed there. And I was talking with, uh, talking with my uncle, we got on a Zoom call with about 15 or 16 of like our cousins, um, brothers, uncles, and we all cousins. And we kind of just like got on there. Obviously, we were some were upset, some were, you know, pretty taken aback by the event. And uh, my uncle said, you know, we just need, you know, positive change in this world. And, you know, kind of starts with one person and goes to the next. And it's kind of like a plus one, like a plus one effect. And you know, my uncle, I had some more conversations with him, but, you know, when I heard the plus one effect, I kind of liked what he was talking about and I kind of wanted to open it up to more discussion. So that's when, um, yeah, that's when I decided to, uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, I think I'm going to take this plus one effect and like, um, you know, put a patent on it and see if we, what we can do with it, man. And, you know, so started having these open dialogues, open conversations about race with just random people. And, uh, you know, to do it from, you know, the platform that I have, I felt like it, it resonated on a little higher level, just, you know, I feel like 
you know, people look at ath professional athletes and, um, you know, in a, in a different light. So yeah, I just started talking to random people. My wife, we were starting talking to just random people. And, you know, I think everything obviously happens for a reason because if COVID never happened, if I would have been in season, I don't think I would have had enough time to actually sit down and have the time to actually talk to people and, you know, give my time to them and, you know, that energy and that focus. And um, yeah, it was actually like just a true blessing to be a part of it. And, um, you know, when the whole plus one effect and people started wearing their t-shirts and, you know, you see people actually getting behind it. It's like, I always say it exceeded all of my expectations of what I thought the campaign was going to be and um, kind of took a whole different positive direction. So um very happy about you know obviously the progress with it yeah man i i've seen it everywhere so i know it's i know it's exploded and really like getting people to think i think yeah um in a positive way um yeah so if you could kind of just talk to us about where you were born when you were born and kind of your path through time getting here um i think it would be really great just to hear allow people to like figure out who you are and where you came from and all of that. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. Man, honestly, um, you know, look back at my life, just a true blessing turned 30 this past Halloween. And, uh, we were down in Mexico for that and yeah, born in Franklin, Tennessee, you know, 30 minutes South of, of Vanderbilt and, um, you know, a little suburb, you know, yeah. Vandy anchor down baby. And so, Born there and then ended up moving to Maryland for a little bit. Uh, I'm the youngest of three. Um, I have an older sister who has two kids and an older brother who has three kids. And uh, yeah, I'm the baby, always have been, they uh, always say I got pampered. So we always make jokes about it, but moved back from Maryland. My dad works for Caterpillar Financial. So his job moved again. So he came back to Franklin and then I uh, went to Centennial High School, went to Freedom Middle School, all in Franklin. Played football, basketball, and baseball all the way up until my sophomore year of high school. Then my coach made me decide because I was missing too many practices. So he said, you're either going to choose basketball or baseball. And I was like, well, I'm only five, six, so I'm not really going to be, um, you know, point guard in the NBA. And uh, that's when I changed gears and just did football and, and baseball. And then, uh, yeah, I played up into my senior year, got a scholarship to go to East Carolina University. Um, and then later on Vanderbilt offered. So I ended up decommitting from East Carolina University, committing to Vandy. Um, yeah, still waiting to get that call from the coach. He hasn't called me back yet, which I understand. I mean, I went back on my, I went back on my word, but, you know, I feel like, you know, a full ride from Vandy, it's kind of hard to pass that up, especially being 30 minutes down the road. And yeah. so, yeah, I went to Vandy. And then, yeah, like you said, we had a good freshman year, um, went to the World Series. Uh, and then that next year, man, uh, just put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, was hitting leadoff, trying to do too much and didn't have a good sophomore year. Ended up going up to the Cape Cod League, having some success there. And then, you know, going into junior year, uh, had a pretty good year. Uh, my now wife, Michelle, was able to stay with me. She took an internship at News Channel 5. So 
I, uh, I have to credit a lot of that season to her just because she was able to be there. And, you know, that was something I didn't have to worry about, um, you know, her walking home at night in Toronto and different things like that. So uh, her coming back was huge and then got drafted by the Astros in the fifth round. Um, decided to forego my senior year, went to the draft, became a professional, uh, started in short season, got called up to low A during that season. Yeah, make a long story short, ended up debuting in 2016 with the Astros, May 15th, May 16th, something like that. And uh, ended up being with the Astros 16, 17, 18, 19, got traded from the Astros in 19 to the Chicago Cubs. And then played two months in Chicago, which is pretty cool. And then after Chicago, in the offseason, I got done with the workout. And I got a call from uh, one of the front office people, which was like the GM at the time. And um, I didn't recognize the number, so I was like ignoring the calls. And then finally, I get a text and it's like, hey, Tony, this is uh, so-and-so with the Cubs. Give me a call back. And I was like, I honestly thought I was getting released or fired. And um I ended up talking to him and he said hey this is kind of a kind of a weird conversation that's how he started off so I thought obviously it wasn't gonna be good and he said yeah um you've been traded to the Oakland A's you know we put in a trade in place that you know they'd been asking about you all offseason and stuff so end up getting traded in the offseason uh to the A's of 2020 yeah so that was wild and then it was a COVID year and then uh yeah had the season last year with them too and now i'm in uh it's called arbitration so you go through three years of arbitration and i'm in my second year of arbitration so kind of like they're one-year contracts and they kind of compare your stats to other people's stats and that kind of huh. depends on how your salary gets based and so now uh yeah my uh six weeks away from having a kid and yeah here we go yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do you want to kind of talk more about that? Just you're you're going to become a father soon. You've got your wife, Michelle, who's, I can imagine she's just been a rock for you. Um, and you, you got like a newborn child coming. Uh, do you want yeah. to just talk about that? Like what you're excited about, what, you're, what you fear a little bit? Yeah, I always, people always <laughs> ask me about Michelle. Obviously, she's my better half plus more. Uh, we just celebrated our fourth fifth anniversary we say that because we've been we've been legally married five years went to the courthouse because immigration stuff but uh anytime I talk about Michelle I always say like you know she's the quarterback of the team and I'm just a slot receiver going out for passes she kind of she kind of runs the show um and you know we've known each other since middle school so uh, we've kind of we've kind of been able to see each other grow up in a sense and um yeah, she's been my only girlfriend I've ever had. So, um, yeah, we started dating about halfway throughout my sophomore year. Uh, she was a junior, so she's since six months older than me, but in school, she's um, the next year up. And, uh, yeah, so we ended up doing long distance, started doing long distance in college. And then when she was able to come to uh, down for that internship, man, it was just awesome. And then Man, we've just been able to travel the world. Um, after our, my first professional season, we went to we went and backpacked Australia, wow. which, was, which was pretty awesome. We 
we started and got to go see one of our good friends. Her name's Julia. She's actually here right now. Um, she was out in San Francisco. So we were out in San Francisco for a little bit, flew from San Francisco um, up to Vancouver and then Vancouver to Sydney. So we backpacked Australia, did a bunch of cool stuff, met her family in Singapore. And then she ended up backpacking in Southeast Asia, which, you know, she's just the adventurous type. So um, we've been all over. I just feel, and then we got to go to Italy and, you know, we've, we just love to travel. We love to plan a good trip and, you know, I feel like time is experience and, you know, you don't, you don't get that time back. Right. So yep, yep. Um, felt like it was a good time, you know, in our twenties, we got to, it's crazy that I just turned 30 now, say I'm in my twenties, but I <laughs> uh, got to travel and stuff. And yeah, she's, uh, yeah, she's just, she's the rock. She runs the show and she's, um, she's my better half. And, you know, now being, you know, six weeks away from having a kid, just like, so exciting. There's so many emotions that you have, you know, we actually went through a miscarriage. So, um, she was about six, seven weeks, uh, had a miscarriage, man. That was obviously devastating. And, um, you know, I feel like, you know, the, you don't, you don't understand how likely it is to happen to females that are actually trying. And, you know, it's very likely. And obviously when we had a pregnancy announcement, I felt like it was just a time to tell people, Hey, you're not alone. Like, you know, this happened to us too. And, you know, I feel like when it happens to you, you feel like you are the only, you feel like you're the only one that goes through it. And I just wanted to say, Hey, it's not the case. And man, it, she's been solid. You know, the mental that females go through when they're pregnant, especially going through a miscarriage is like, you know, what's going on in there. And, you know, she just went for a checkup the other day. So good heart rate. Um, mm -hmm. everything out so um yeah we're in this final stretch and you know i think we're ready for an um you know it's going to enhance our lives you know we're actually i've always wanted to be a dad she's always wanted to be a mom and we still don't know the gender mm -hmm. so um that's going to be something exciting being in the room and actually finding out what we're having you know it's the final surprises that you have in life so um but it hasn't been easy um you know you're just like what is it you know you, she's she's carrying low so is it a boy and you know, is it a girl? But I, I kind of want to, I, I want a little girl first. So, um, and so we'll see. So we'll, we'll see Dad, daddy's girl would be awesome, but, uh, obviously just a healthy baby and yeah, just, we're excited. Yeah, man, that's powerful too. I think just being able to talk about the struggle, but also the, the positive aspects that come with that because yeah. especially a lot of our friends right now are they're having children, they're going through that, a lot of that. Um, so yeah, I, I commend you for one, <laughs> going through it, but also talking about it. Yeah, man, um, for sure. and, and her, and her. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Her. I think, um, I think sometimes as humans, you, you know, we, we want to see that life is all perfect and dandy. And that's like, not the case at all. Everyone's kind of figuring out themselves. And you know, if you can, you could talk about it. It's a lot easier to, you know, open up about it. It's, you know, it's topic of conversation. So, uh, yeah, we're excited to say the least. Yeah. I mean, since we're kind of like on the topic, um, so what is in your eyes, mental health and how do you like cultivate mental health for yourself? Like good mental health? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's the thing about, um, that I've been happy about talking about mental health and everything that surrounds it is, you know, it's, 
the more that you talk about it and, you know, this wasn't a topic a couple of years ago, people would say, oh, mental health, like you're, you're not, that's not real. And, you know, now being able to talk about it now being able, you know, I meditate. So I meditate for like at least five minutes every day. I've actually been slacking, so I need to get back on that. But um, mental health is everything. Yeah, that's good for you. Um, you know, people are just like, well, why don't you just like, why? Like, I know a lot of people that suffer from like social anxiety or depression or anxiety. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's unfortunate because people don't understand how much of an impact it has. It's like, well, why don't you just be happy? It's like, you, you don't understand. Like, so now that we're able to talk about it, you know, for myself, you know, I just try to have a good mental state. Um, it's not, it's not easy to, you know, be positive all the time. Like, you know, everybody has their own days, but um, I think for myself, I think for my mental health is just being honest with myself and being real with myself and, you know, having good conversations. Uh, you know, I call it the bad wolf and the good wolf. You know, you gotta just always feed the good wolf. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just think in certain aspects, you know, sometimes we lose sight of, sometimes what other people are going through. So I always try to put my, put my, put my, you know, feet in someone else's shoes and understand like, you know, they're going through stuff too. So um, yeah, it's, I'm glad that more and more people are talking about mental health and the awareness that surrounds it. Okay. I've got a kind of an interesting one. So yeah. how, how do you kind of uh, plan to ensure your child has good mental health? Yeah, so that is the, you know, that is the biggest thing. It's, you know, obviously you're having a kid, you don't want to mess your, you don't want to mess your kid up, you know, how you always pray for a sane mind. And, you know, I think what comes with it is just uh, parenting. And, you know, you mean, I feel like Misha and I, we've seen people raise their kids. And, um, you know, I feel like we came from good parents, and we kind of want to instill those same things. And, you know, you always want to encourage your kids, you always want to you know, make them feel like they're one of the best people out there and that they can do anything and that they have no limits. And I feel like just building that own confidence within themselves, um, you know, hopefully that is a little easier to let them know that, you know, they matter and, um, you know, they're not the only ones out there. So I think it's a fine line of pushing your kid, but not being too hard on them to where, you know, they go into a, to a anxiety hole. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, so I, I'm going to kind of take that into going back to like your greatness as a, as a player and as a person. Um, so like of all of the levels you've played at junior in high school, you're playing in college, big leagues. Why do you think you've been able to achieve greatness at every level you've played at? Yeah, so have you ever heard of the Enneagram test? Enneagram? No. I'm going to send it to you. So yeah, okay. Like a personality types, like one through nine, and they have like different, you take this test, like 150 questions, and you take this test. It's like, you've taken the Myers-Briggs. It's mm -hmm. like ENS, Jeff, J, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it's like the Myers-Briggs, like on steroids or something. Um, okay, okay. But pretty much it's a personality test, and, you know, I'm a three, you know, which is an achiever, and uh, the achiever has like a very high fear of failure. And, you know, I think just going through each level and going through and just constantly wanting just, you know, to outwork, you know, myself who, whatever I was doing yesterday, just try to outwork myself and 
you know, you're a new person each day, you know, so you can always, there's always room for improvement. And, you know, just, I love to watch documentaries. So just watching documentaries on just like different players and seeing different things. And, you know, you can kind of understand like what their mental state was. And, you know, I felt like there's a lot of other guys who were physically better than me, but I felt like um, the mental capacity is where I really thrive because, you know, I have a playlist that on my phone, it's called on Spotify and it just says, it says 90% mental. And I feel like the game is 90% mental. And I feel like if you, you know, you're playing a game of failure, right? You're playing baseball. Yep. So you're going to fail seven out of 10 times. And if you succeed three out of 10, you're in the hall of fame. So it's like, mm -hmm. you're playing a game of failure. So you have to understand, you know, just roll with the punches. And I feel like I was able to just, you know, I'm still ongoing, but I was just able to take my mental and just strengthen it and, you know, still strengthen it today. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of like that, uh, like that Kobe, what Kobe talks about, like that obsessiveness kind of almost yeah. where you just kind of lose yourself in it entirely and you just, um, you do everything you can every minute of the day to kind of get better and better. Um, do you, would you say you fear failure more than you love winning? Hmm. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I mean, I think failure has to do with losing. And I think I, I think I hate losing more than, you know, I love to win. So, um, you know, and there can be a lot that you learn from losing. You know, I feel like you learn more from losing than you do from winning. Cause you know, you win a game and you go to the next one, you know, you, you lose a game, you kind of sit in your locker for a little bit and kind of, you know, ponder why, you know, things are happening and why, what you could have done better in the third inning or, you know, if I was positioned a little better here, maybe, um, you know, the ball wouldn't have went through and they we wouldn't have lost by two runs, you know. So um, I definitely think you learn more from your failures than you do from actually your success. 100%. 100% agree. Um, I had another question that I was going to ask, but uh, I'll kind of – I kind of want to ask about Vanderbilt. Um, and because there's so many – good baseball players that come out of that program yeah and one of the biggest things that I noticed when I was at school with you guys because our tennis team was good friends with a lot of the baseball guys as well but even when you guys were like at the height of your like at the college world series all of that it was almost like it never got to your guys' ego like you never, I swear to God, uh, yeah. you never, the guys were never like talking down to anybody. They never acted like they were above people or anything like that. They were just all good dudes, like from you to like Dansby Swanson, Walker Bueller, all these, Tyler Beatty, Yastrzemski, all these guys were just down to earth, good dudes. And so I, can you just talk about the culture that coach Corbin kind of like developed and created and that allowed you guys to all go out and then succeed at the, the higher levels? Yeah, man. Um, you know, that all starts with, yeah. <laughs> oh dude, you already know. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it all starts with um, the first day that he brings us in. Like, you know, I remember mm -hmm. my freshman year first meeting, you know, it was three and a half hours and um, we didn't even do anything on the field. We sat in the classroom and learned about, 
you know, hey, you know, I don't care if you're a top 100 prospect coming out of high school, a perfect game All-American. Um, you know, I don't care if you set records in high school, you know, the best nine guys are going to play. Like, that's it. And, you know, he pretty much made guys, you know, you know, throw your ego out the window, you know, <laughs> mom and dad aren't here to save you. You know, this is, this is collegiate baseball. And I think early on, we were just understanding that, you know, this what, you know, obviously he was serious and I feel like he just gets guys to buy in in a certain level that, um, you know, it's, it's tough to get a lot of guys who um, are really good at baseball and to throw their egos out of the side and like be invested in the team. Mm -hmm. You know, he just, obviously he's great at what he does. And, you know, we might've been a little brainwashed in what we were doing on the field at the time. But, um, you know, I think that, you know, we all wanted the best out of each other and we all push each other and yeah, he's, that's why he's won multiple national, you know, championships and the guys that come out of the program, you know, go on and play in the big leagues and, um, you know, the guys who won world series and like, you know, someone's got to do with Vandy and just guys who want to win and guys who pay attention to detail, I think. Yeah, man. I, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like undeniable, like the greatness that just comes out of there. Um, just churning like year after year, you know, it's, I, I think it's like just fascinating. Um, and then just kind of going from college to the big leagues, what's the difference in like being on a team culture? You know, the yeah. incentives are different. The, mm -hmm. the goals are different even. So like what's, what's the difference in team culture there? Yeah, I think that's, you know, um, my dad and my brother are really worried when I got drafted because it was like, hey, this is pro ball. It's kind of a doggy dog mentality. You know, the whole team doesn't get called up. It's only you. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I'm a firm believer in, um, you know, the baseball gods and the game will come back to you. And little things that I was doing that, like, for example, you know, in college, there's a guy runner on second base, no outs, you're bunting him over or you're rolling over to get the guy to third base less than two, less than two outs. You know, in pro ball, it's more about driving that run in because you want the RBI. But I find if you take yourself in those team at bats and you have a team at bat, you know, the game's always going to come back and reward you in certain ways. So I've always been playing with that team mentality in a certain sense. Um, but, you know, especially in pro ball, you know, you have guys from all over the world and, you know, guys who went through that already went through that college deal. And, you know, not a lot of guys love their coach or their culture, how Vandy guys do. And, you know, anywhere you go in, in the, in the pro system, you hear, oh, you're a Vandy boy. Like, tell me about Corbin. Tell me about this. Like, there's definitely a, I don't know if ambiance is the word. There's definitely like a culture chemistry yeah. like that that thing that people talk about so yeah um i think the difference is you know because baseball is the most individual team sport right and so um yeah i just feel like you want to obviously have good individual stats but you also want to be a good team player as well so you know and i feel like when you're in college you're a straight team player it's just like whatever the team needs and then you get the pro ball it's like all right 
I have to do what I need to do first to get my job done in order for us to win. And yeah, and then I'll worry about the team. So it's like, it's a little different. You got to still be a team player, but you also have to take care of yourself. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's interesting to me because like, especially in the, the minor leagues too, like it almost, you can almost throw out the team entirely because you, you just need to get up, you know? Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting, the incentives they place and how that differs from college entirely. And, uh, and I, I can imagine that you're a big like culture, like team locker room guy, and you bring a lot of like positivity to the team in ways that aren't really measured yet um, in terms of like getting guys to feel like comfortable and trust each other. It's an intangible. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and would you agree that that's like something that, because almost everywhere you go, you bring success. So it's got to be something that you're allowing other people to kind of build off of. I appreciate um, that. I appreciate that. Yeah, man, I think one man, you know, I saw how rookies got treated at certain points. And, you know, that's why the Astros are so good because, you know, what they do is they don't, when a rookie comes in, there's no like walking on eggshells. It's, you know, I want you to be as comfortable as you need to be. And, you know, I remember just taking that mentality, just other places and just, I wanted everyone to feel comfortable. I wanted everyone to be happy. Um, you know, and at the same time, like you also want it to be loose at the same time, you know, you know, you get to play baseball for a living. And like, that is a huge blessing to go on and, you know, I get to have an off season where I have downtime. I'm going to have time to, you know, we're having the baby in December. So I'm going to be able to have this downtime. And like, you know, I really do think it's like the best job in the world. And it's like, I haven't even worked a day in my life yet. You know, I, I don't even look as, as, as that. And I feel like, you know, the time that you put in is the time that, you know, shows up on the field. And um, yeah, just anywhere I go, I just want people to feel comfortable and, you know, try to just to, you know, it is what it is mentality, you know, and, and I want people to be happy. I want people to, you know, feel like they're included. So just before we switch gears here, just um, you've been in like a few different organizations. Uh, so what, from your experience, how much does the front office influence the team culture? Um, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's funny because you always know when we call it the brass, like whenever brass is in town. So, you know, obviously you want to have like, you want to have good games when the brass is in town, you know, because obviously they're, you know, the guys that are standing in the khakis and the dress shirts on the baseball field, obviously it looks a little, it looks a little out of, out of pocket. But um, I feel like, I feel like it's split different places a lot. Like, for example, like the Cardinals front office, like, you have to walk around, they call it like the cardinal way. You know, you walk around, you know, you have to have a collar everywhere you walk around unless you make it to the big leagues. If you're in the minor leagues, you know, in and out of hotels, you have a collar, you walk into the field, you're at home, wear a collar shirt. And so, you know, you kind of set that precedent of like, hey, I'm a professional um, and, you know, you need to act like it. Uh, Oakland A is a little different. Wear sandals, wear flip flops, do your thing you know, more of a Cali, California vibe. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's hit or miss. I think you could say some off-front offices uh, definitely can, you know, cultivate um, a different kind of culture that they're looking for. And uh, I think other places, you know, I feel like it's a lot of the players create that. 
And you, you, uh, what about like if you're sending that to the, the NFL or the NBA, how would you, you think that would pretty much hold as well? Um, maybe not. Okay. Maybe not. I think it's, it, it, it might be different. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, obviously I'm not in those professions and I say that, but, uh, I really don't know. I really don't yeah. know. Uh, I mean, I, I asked mostly because, uh, I'm a Kings fan and Sacramento Kings fan and, Mm-hmm. the culture is just it's so bad <laughs> yeah. and there's yeah it's stuff needs to get fixed yeah yeah um <laughs> yeah uh so yeah let's uh kind of switch gears here um i want to ask you about how you value time mm-hmm. um or what comes to mind when i ask you how you value time and and really the purpose of that is because um time is so central to our mental health and to everyone's brains and minds. Um, it's something that we all value. We like when our life is over, our time is over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that we all share. It's something that we all struggle with just being in time. It's just not, it's not an easy place to be. Um, and how we value time is just so important to how we are going to like relate to other people to ourselves, how we're going to, when we look in the mirror or when we think about ourselves, like how we value time is influencing that. It's going to influence how we relate to technology and nature and all of that as well. Um, so yeah, like how do you value time? Um, and what comes to mind when you're thinking about that? Um, first off, I love your book. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. You know, obviously to see us playing FIFA and Smash Brothers in the in the dorm room to what we're doing now, man. It's pretty cool to see the the timeline in that. And uh, I remember, uh, you know, I wish I could go back and you know screenshot the people that said Suresh wrote a book, and just like, yeah, and it was actually good. Like, yeah. um, you know, obviously you're you're uh, I feel like you're a guy everyone got along with and everyone liked, and I think that. Um, you know, you could be a clown at, at some points. You could go, you know, you'd be funny. And so people, you know, when I would suggest your book, man, it was it was pretty cool. The whole time thing with with me, it means currency. It means your energy. And even with my wife now, I'm like, hey, like you have to understand, like your time and energy, like is like treat. You have to treat it like currency. Like literally treat it. Um, you know, how are you going to split that up? And you know, I think we've been we've been spending a lot of our time and a lot of our energy with a lot of friends and you know, went to some weddings and, you know, now is a time we can kind of turn it, turn the dial back a little bit. Um, I start working out tomorrow for first day of the off season uh, workouts for me tomorrow. So uh, kind of going to be turning the dial back and, you know, really being selfish with our time and really uh, it, it's tough because, you know, once you come back into the off season you want to see your friends, you want to see everybody, but at the same time, like, you have to um, have your own uh, time to yourself and time in your house, like time down here in the man cave where I'm just hanging out. And, um, you know, you have to recharge those batteries every now and then too. Right. So, yeah. yeah, You know, when I hear about time, I think about energy and, you know, for me that I treat it like currency and you have to be, got to be smart with your money. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You guys be smart with your time and energy too. Um, and yeah, I think that kind of goes into the fact that like, yes, your 
an incredibly like great baseball player, great human. People look up to you and like, you're literally like a, like a leader and a pe- person of influence, even past America, even. Oh. Uh, I, I would imagine people in other hey. countries, you know? No, um, yeah. um, I, I just, I, uh, I don't usually sign fan mail when it comes to the house, but this, uh, certain fa- this certain mail came to the house and uh, it was a guy from Japan that wanted my autograph on a card. And I was like, you know what? If he's sending all these stamps across all like from Japan, I was like, I'm gonna sign this for him. So I sent it back the other day. That's cool. Yeah, yeah dude. I, I, yeah, I mean, literally the world, you know, you like, sit on a world stage of, and influencing people and, you know, you, you're human too. You got your own mental health. You, you got yeah. your own problems. You and I'm struggle. not perfect. I'm not yeah. perfect. Like I'm not, I'm still, I'm still growing every day. And, you know, I think that's the thing too, is, um, you know, being in that spotlight, you know, it's not like, oh, I don't want to mess up or oh, whatever. It's just like, you know, you just know that, you know, every, not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna please everybody, everybody that you're, whatever you're doing, like, everyone's not gonna be happy with what you're doing. So, um, you know, that's the phrase, it is what it is, always comes to mind. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, man. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's good to have empathy both ways, you know, like you as the person who sits up here influencing people having the empathy of just everyone else struggling as well. And then them having the empathy with you that he's just another dude too, you know, like he's, he's grinding, he's, you know, he struggles with things. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's the hardest part is like when you get to the field, you're trying to separate yourself from like all of the negative things that have been happening in your life and you want to move in a positive direction. And, you know, there's guys all the time that, you know, are going through stuff and then you still have to go on the field and perform. You know how that is. So, um, and, you know, doing that at the highest level is something that, you know, some Misha always says, when I get in the season mode, it's kind of just like, just I like laser focus just like tunnel vision pretty much and like you know um I always leave the field at the field like I never do scouting reports I never do stuff when I'm not not when I'm at home I'm at home and I feel like you always have you always need to be where your feet are and so I feel like just try to do a good job of that man and just you know let the chips fall where they may man and you know now it's going to be a whole different variable with the kid and figuring all that stuff out too but um I'm excited for a family. I'm excited for, you know, that, um, I don't want to call it a challenge, but, um, it is going to be something that uh, I'm up for, you know? And so the sleepless nights and stuff like that, you know, they're, they're about to hit the fan. And, um, but I, Michelle's going to be a great mom. Like I already, I already know. And, you know, she was destined to be a mom, no doubt. So, um, yeah, she's just excited. Yeah. And how, how was, um, how, how was like, the new like your baby coming in how's that changing your perception of time yeah so I think the biggest part is you know in college you learn a lot of time management with (laughs) what you need to get done I feel like you know now with the kid like your time has to be a little bit more precise you know and maybe in the days where I would go to the go to the uh go work out and I hang out a little bit I'm talking to guys you know now it's like all right you know, you need to be more precise with your time and get back and, you know, help mom out with the kid. And um, yeah, and, you know, you're going to be crossing those bridges, you know, here soon. So 
Um, I feel like figuring out it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be definitely something that, you know, we or have never experienced, but I think we're both, I think we're going to be good parents. I'm sure you guys will be. <laughs> I'm sure you guys will be. One of the, uh, one of the really interesting things that I heard from somebody was, uh, was actually my Uber driver. And she was saying she valued time, not for herself anymore, but really for her children and just wanting to be there to see them grow up and to like see their futures um, kind of unfold. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is that kind of how you're feeling a little bit now more so? Because when you, when you're just an individual and you don't have like the responsibilities of a family yet, you can afford to be a little bit more selfish with your time and how you perceive it. But once you start to have responsibilities and other people, you've really got to extend that out. Um, mm -hmm. So is that kind of how you, do you feel that's yeah. something that? No, hundred percent. I feel like, you know, now, you know, when you have a kid, you know, a lot of your time is going to be invested in them and um, you know, and they can feel that energy. They can feel that, um, good positive vibes they can feel those things and um, yeah I feel like you know you can't be as selfish with with your time anymore it's going to be more you know learn teaching your kid how to walk and you know things like that and things that um, you know your parents did for you so um, now being able to see it on this side of the spectrum is definitely cool like I've always been excited just to be a dad and um, I think a lot of the, I think a lot of my time is going to be, you know, spent, you know, raising, raising my kid. Yeah. I mean, I think something would be wrong if that's not the truth, you know, or if that's not the reality or right. you're, you're going to get divorced or something, something's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've mostly kind of gotten what I wanted people to hear from you, you know, um, is there anything you kind of want to just talk about in general, um, whether it be the Titans maybe winning this year? We'll see. could be anything. Um, uh, no, if I could leave anybody with anything, it would be to go buy your book, man. I honestly do think that it's important that people understand, you know, how important time is in your life. And once it's gone, it's gone. And um, yeah, uh, your time and your energy is currency. And um, obviously I do hope the Titans win today, but, um, yeah, man, I think that your, I think that your book, um, will open people's eyes up even more. And, uh, one of my neighbors actually wanted to read it. So, uh, right when I was done, I gave it away. So I don't even have a copy right now, but, cool. um, I can send you, I can send you a couple. So just yeah, let me know. Yeah. Send me, know. Send, send me a couple, man. So I can, I will, I will. like some of my family members, maybe for like Christmas stocking stuffers or something. That's a great idea. I can actually do that. <laughs> I will do that. Um, well, dude, thank you for so much for your time, bro. Uh, you know, I think this conversation is super valuable. And like I said, people look up to you and um, I think they'll benefit a lot just from hearing you talk about things that they probably think about all the time. You know, I think it's cool to see how our friendship is, you know, we've always kept in contact and we've always yep. kind of, uh, I think we always kind of that's all we always, we always kind of vibe together because we always kind of had the same energy so um yeah dude if you ever need anything else from me dude just don't hesitate to text me absolutely dude i, I thank you again man I, I really appreciate you man yeah dude appreciate it uh anchor down yep anchor down baby let's get it <laughs> <laughs>